Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Climbing the hill of the hump day on Wednesday and getting over that and headed toward another outstanding late autumn. I guess it's, yeah, just past the mid-autumn portion into the late autumn time of year and ready for more outstanding football as well as big-time college basketball here in the area tonight. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Light the Tower. On the horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. My name is Craig White. Glad to have you with us. Jeff Howell will be along shortly. Our man behind the glass, our producer, the purveyor of all good things, Flex ATX. Because in the final analysis, it's a flex. He's Jonathan John Donaldson, J.J. Donaldson. We know him. Ask Snoop Daniel. How you doing this morning, Snoop? Doing okay? good. Thanks for the coffee. Yeah, yeah. Glad much to, needed. Yeah, glad to uh, glad to bring that along. And uh, you know, Snoop and I are cranking the stuff out this morning, getting ready uh, for a big football weekend. Speaking of which, coming up in a few minutes, we'll have our weekly conversation with Tony Salazar, head coach of the Westlake Chaparrales, joins us in studios, and uh, he'll join in in the studio on Wednesdays when uh, his team is playing on a Friday, as they are on Friday night against New Braunfels in the area round of the playoffs. We'll visit with Coach Salazar. That'll be coming up in a little bit. We'll have a Longhorn Notebook as well uh, from uh, Jeff. We'll have one of those in each hour. We also have our uh, Whataburger Top 5. I, I didn't even touch base with you about this. Of course, this is Wednesday. This is your day, Snoop. Players this, to watch. Okay. Yeah. Yep, got Top them. 5 players to watch uh, this week in this area round of the playoffs uh, after, <laughs> excuse me, Coach Salazar visits with us and um, we'll have uh, Inconceivable this hour. Next hour, uh, Brian Haney, play-by-play voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, joins us. Brian was in Indianapolis last night. Been a nice win for the uh, Jayhawks, uh, beating Duke in the Champions Classic. I don't know if you got a chance to see any of that, Snoop. K.J. Adams, the Westlake product, looked pretty good in Good. There. Yeah. They're, Kid's they're expect- a baller. Well, they're expecting a lot of him this season as a junior. And uh, and uh, he he had a good game, and uh, they had several guys who had good games last night. Uh, Jalen Wilson, the kid oh. from Denton, is really good. Quick KJ Adams story. Remember when we had the snow over where we were stuck up here for a whole week? Yes. I saw KJ Adams walking from wherever he was staying before the snowstorm yeah. across, to, I guess, back home. Yeah. I was like, man, it looks like K.J. Adams, but it can't be. At random, I saw him, and then on social media, I saw him posting that he was walking. I'm like, it's wild. Well, I tell you what, he's <laughs> he's used to weather like that because they get a lot of it in the wintertime up there in mm. Kansas. There's no there's no doubt about that. So there's there's a lot of that. Uh, but but uh, Brian Haney will join us. Uh, not only I'll, I'll get some thoughts from him on the Kansas basketball team. Remember, the first four games they're having to play without head coach Bill Self, um, the uh, – 
uh, self-imposed suspension, so to speak, no pun intended, but there was uh, that. And uh, they've got one more game on that suspension, but they don't appear to have been damaged really by it so far. And uh, then we'll talk, obviously, the Texas-Kansas football game for this Saturday afternoon in Lawrence. So uh, uh, Brian Haney will be joining us. Uh, we'll have a Flex 30 update uh, coming up next hour as well. So we got a lot of stuff to get to, so uh, let's not waste any more time. Let's jump right to the Whataburger Top 5. I said, let's jump to the Whataburger Top 5. Okay, prepare to receive today's edition. Here we go. Top five players to watch. Let's jump to the Whataburger Top 5. Sorry about that. That's all right. So you got it. Oh, my lordy. You got it. Top five players to watch this week for this area round of the playoffs. How many ties you have, Snoop, at Uh, number five? I got uh, a three-way tie at number five. Three-way tie at number five. Uh, Let's have it. All three at five are going to be playing right here on 104.9 The Horn. How about that? (laughs) Uh, And they are the the receivers at Lake Travis. No, there's no Caleb Burton. No, there's no Garrett Wilson. However, I (laughs) I give you Caden Bender. Yeah. Uh, Cole Muller, uh, Munnerlin. Who was out last week injured. Right. Oh, yes. Okay, thank you. And Seth Gal- uh, uh, Galbraith. Yep. Who caught. Big catch. Big catch. Oh, so his backstory is his big sister uh, is at Oklahoma State basketball commit. Yeah. She's a dog on the basketball court. So if he is anything like his sister, he is about to pop. And usually it takes a play like that, you know, something yeah. in, the, in the postseason. So watch for 16. Remember, that pass came off Bo Edmondson taking the snap yeah. and tossing it back to Caden Leone, who then threw into the end zone for that, for, for Galbraith on that catch. Big catch there for him. So, all right, so there's your three at number five. What do you got for number four? Westlake wide receiver uh, Bradley Mays. Okay. You hear about Keaton Quebecca and Jim yeah. Greathouse, yeah. you know, Westlake to beat New, New Braunfels because with their quarterback being out, they're going to try to slow this game down. They won their last game 17-13. Uh, they're going to need a, a big play from a, a slot receiver. So Bradley Mays at number three for me, uh, uh, number four for me. Number three for me is uh, is Noah Baker, a guy for LBJ that I think people have kind of forgotten about in the Cedric Alexander <laughs> extravaganza. Or I, it might be the wrong word, but uh, poor – Natchez Grove. Port Natchez Groves. Well, it's with an S. Groves. Natchez Groves. Groves. Uh, PNG. Oh. Just say PNG. PNG. It's PNG versus LBJ. LBJ. A lot of purple yeah. out there. Yeah. Uh, uh, Noah Baker, number three. Number because they'll use him on both sides of the ball. Ali Scott continues to develop as a passer. Baker's one of his targets. And we know what Noah can do on the defensive side as a safety. So he's an important two-way player for Jamal Fenner. All right. Number two yep. is somebody that I've watched – play football since Pee Wee. Yeah. So it's very personal to me. His name is Jace Mann. Uh, he's number 29 for the Rouse Raiders. He's the son of head coach Joshua Mann, his mm-hmm. oldest son. He caught a touchdown pass last week. Here's the deal. Judson Mann is the skilled player son, and he's the younger one, the sophomore, but Jace Mann caught an offensive touchdown last week. So okay. pull, pulling out all the stops for Pops, Jace yeah. Mann number two. Uh, and, and my number one, oh gosh, but, oh, number one, okay, check this out. I don't think his name is his name has ever been said, but his name is uh, oh God, please don't, don't, oh, oh, let me butcher this. Ben Carter, okay. number twenty eight for the Liberty Hill Panthers. We've all heard about Noah Long, mm-hmm. even Joe Pitchford, who hadn't played really, his younger right. brother Jack Pick, Pitchford. But uh, uh, Ben Carter has quietly went over a thousand yards this year. Uh, he had nine carries last week at an average of twenty eight yards a clip. 
pretty impressive. His name is Ben Carter, and you need to know it. Liberty Hill has a good shot at uh, going back to state. It's my number one Whataburger player. There it is, the Whataburger top five players to watch this so, week. So fun. In the area. <laughs> round of the playoffs. And yes, we do have uh, three broadcasts for you on Friday night. All have 7.30 kickoffs. Uh, Vandegrift against uh, Brandeis, and uh, uh, I did it again. It's Vandegrift against Converse Judson. Um, uh, that uh, Vandegrift against Judson at Kelly Reeves Athletics Complex. Then, of course, Lake Travis, we talked about at the field in Pflugerville, taking on Cibolo Steel and LBJ in action against PNG. That's Port Natchez Groves against LBJ Friday night at Rhodes Stadium in Katy. And you'll hear all those three of those games at 730. Of course, Snoop will set the stage uh, yes. with all, for all the action with Flex 30, Craig, uh, with the Flex ATX pregame one show. One more, please. I forgot Beck Ormond, receiver for Vandegrift. He slowly crept to be the second receiver behind Mouth Coleman. I should have mentioned him, but you number 17. It, you should have said it was a four-way tie. Yeah, four-way five. tie. Okay, all right. So I was just like, oh, yeah, him. <laughs> okay. There we go. All right, there you go. Uh, uh, my co-host, of course, got a chance to play some postseason high school football his senior one year. One game. One game, but he got to experience one more than some people play. Where was that game played? Wildcat Stadium in Temple. Okay, right. it's about as close to a halfway point as you can get between Florence and Rogers. Okay, all right, all right. He was an honorable mention All District offensive lineman when he wore the purple and white '79 for those Buffaloes. Nothing to brag about. They felt sorry for me. Uh, but of course, you know him best for his outstanding work at Horns twenty four seven. That's Jeff Howe, who does get fired up for the postseason in high school football. Hell yes feelings of Gerald notwithstanding you know that's that's it's okay we'll cross that bridge when we get there okay all right all right um and I may burn it to the ground who knows okay all right before we do that however Snoop, you ready to fire this off? How about an early edition of the Longhorn Notebook? Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. It's a Longhorn Notebook brought to you by Aaron Bowersock the home loan expert your Longhorn lender see if she can do for you what she did for Linda and me and that's to get us that home loan approval just like that. After all, she is the person who can guarantee that 10-day or less home loan approval. Check her out on the web at BowersockTeam.com. B-O-W-E-R-S-O-C-K. That's BowersockTeam.com. Snoop, where's my Vuvuzela? Let's get rocking and rolling this morning. Come on. Come on. Since we're on a Wednesday. Yeah. There we go. I'm glad you guys right. cleared the deck with that before Coach Salazar gets here. I think Coach, we'll ask yeah, Coach Salazar. Like I think Coach Salazar will be <laughs> fine with it. Um, I wanted to look at line of scrimmage today, Craig, because I don't know if people realize this. So Kansas, I was just looking at some run defense numbers mm-hmm. and, and rushing offense numbers. Kansas kind of middle of the road in the Big 12 in terms of stopping the run. They're averaging, giving up a little over four yards of carry. So not terrible. We've seen much worse Kansas run defenses. Would it surprise you to know, would it surprise the listening audience to know, if I ask you, hey, who's got the best rushing offense in the Big 12? You might think TCU. You might think Kansas State, Baylor. Yep. Yeah. No. But the Jayhawks. Mm-hmm. They're averaging almost six yards per carry as a team, 5.98 to 10.5 on the ground. So in terms of yards per carry, they're number one in the Big 12. Uh, you know, Middle of the road in the Big 12, 210. Uh, let's see. Actually, I did that wrong. Uh, where do they rank nationally? They're top 20 in the country in rushing offense. Uh, Big 12's got some really good rushing offenses this year. But K-State is uh, – or Kansas, excuse me, is one of the best rushing offenses in the country. I say that because I went back and looked at the Bill Connolly advanced box score from ESPN from the TCU game. And, Craig, remember, one of the stats that I get hung up on is rushing yards 
before contact per attempt, rushing mm-hmm. yards per attempt before per attempt before contact. Texas kind of did their job against TCU uh, in terms of that 1.7 yards before contact per carry for the Horn Frogs. Yards after contact per rush. It shows you how good Texas tackled in that game, uh, 1.9. So they did their job. On the other side of the coin, though, the Texas offense yards before contact per attempt. Yeah, zero point one. Oof. Yeah. So you're getting a tenth of a yard Oof. before contact. After contact, 1.1. So not an ideal situation. So I decided, you know what? Football Outsiders has updated their data this season, and I wanted to look at it. And I think this kind of tells you the story of where things have gone for, for on both lines of scrimmage. For the Texas offense, uh, they're kind of in the 70s and the 40s in a lot of those categories. But the two that really stood out to me, the two, two stats that I love, power, power success rate. That's the percentage of runs on third or fourth down, two or fewer yards to go that achieved a first down or a touchdown. Texas right now, power success rate nationally, they're 90th in the country Wow! in power success rate rushing offense. That's why, again, we've seen a lot. I talk about those drives that start in plus territory where you don't get points. We've seen a few of those that are a fourth and two, a fourth and one, where you maybe line up in the wildcat or try to hand Bijan the ball and it gets stuffed. That goes into why your power success rate. Then speaking of stuff, your stuff rate. Stuff rate's another one that I like. Percentage of carries by running backs that are stopped at or before the line of scrimmage. Texas right now in power success rate on offense. They are 84th in the country in power success rate. So that's really, I think that, and look, the offensive line is, it's been the body of work. They've been better than I thought they would be. They have exceeded my expectations. But I think that's where you see some of the youth and, for lack of a better phrase, Craig, maybe physical immaturity. And I think that's what you get sometimes when you've got young offensive linemen. Those two statistical areas right there I think tell you a lot of that. Just They need to, they need that grown men's strength. But that, mm-hmm. again, as I said, like talking about Quinn Ewer's footwork and some other things, that's not something you fix in the middle of the year. Like that's right. a that's a January, a January to August issue that you fix. So those are two things that Texas needs to clean up. I, I think it's up to Sark to maybe scheme it better. He's talked about some of his play calls in those short yardage situations. He liked to have some of those back. So got to do a little bit more to help your offensive line. Uh defensively though, Craig, I think this shows you where Texas has been really good. Uh at line yards per carry allowed twenty sixth nationally. Uh standard down line yards per carry allowed twenty ninth. Passing down line yards per carry twenty one. And that's basically is the run are you are you preventing the run game from staying on schedule? Uh opportunity rate basically not giving up chunk yardage plays. You're thirteenth nationally but here's again. I think a lot of this you can you saw it in the Texas Tech game, and we've seen it at various times this year. Late in the TCU game, I think when things were down, power success rate for the Texas defense forty third. It's not terrible, right? Uh, stuff rate ninety ninth. So just not a lot of splash plays by this offense. But again, I go back to that number, man. One point seven yards before contact per attempt you gave up against TCU. Texas has been, there's been a lot of games this year, Craig, where they've been a yard or less before contact. So it's been really hard to run the ball against Texas. Uh, but those two just jump out to you a little bit. They maybe a little bit more, they've been disruptive, but maybe just a little bit more get some of those splash plays, get teams behind the chains. Uh, maybe that could help your, your third down. One, one thing that I do love about this defensive line, though, and I think this is a little bit different than what we've seen. We haven't seen this from a Texas defensive line in a while. Passing down sack rate, so basically when the opponent, the down and distance tells you they're going to pass, I think that's third and seven plus is how football outsiders factors that in. 
They're 34th nationally in passing down sack rate. So when they know the opponent's going to throw the ball when it's a surefire passing down, this defensive line does a really good job at getting after the quarterback and getting him to the ground, uh, not just impacting him but actually finishing the play. So I just wanted to go over some of those line mm-hmm. of scrimmage numbers again because Kansas – Man, Devin Neal has been on a tear, Craig. I know we'll talk to Brian Haney yeah. about it, but this is uh, similar to TCU. Uh, this is going to be an explosive offense. It's a different kind of offense you're facing uh, with Jalen Daniels back, especially, and some of the things that he can do. Uh, but, again, I, I think this Texas defense, especially the interior of the defensive line, needs to continue to be really hard to run against. And I think for the offense, uh, you definitely want to see Bijan get on track, number one, but number two – that's something to keep an eye on. I gave you those stats about how just kind of not good things have been in short yardage situations. And I think this actually gives you a really good measure of it, Craig, as compared to, let's say, the Tom Herman era, because this is looking at running back production. Tom Herman ran the quarterback so much, and Sam erased so many mistakes that you could make to get you back on schedule. I think this gives you a better idea of how your offensive line is. Because even like the 2018 year, the year where Sam went for what he threw, threw for 25 touchdowns, ran for 15, whatever it was that year, I forget what the number is. Uh, the, you look at the Texas offensive line, you're like, okay, they're not great. You'd think those numbers would be better, but a lot of that was Sam getting the job done on his own. So, uh, yeah, just be better in short yardage, continue to be tough to run against, and uh, you should be able to hold your own against Kansas, even though, like I said, that's one of the better rushing offenses in the country. Okay, um, uh, we need a break. When we come back, we're going to visit with Coach Salazar. He has had a couple of the uh, things keep him away from being able to come over uh, to the studio, but we are going to visit with him, so that that's coming up. So we'll, uh, we'll do that. We'll give him a call, and then uh, – We'll visit with the head coach of the Westlake Chaparrales coming up. Uh, we've got some other stuff that we'll get to. Your, your second hour notebook, is it also football related? No, we're going to do basketball. Good, because we also have some Coach Beard sound that we'll get to in talking about tonight's matchup with 12th-ranked Gonzaga. So that's uh, our second-ranked Gonzaga. Used to be 12th-ranked Texas, now 11th-ranked Texas uh, tonight against Gonzaga. We will uh, we'll take your football feedback on the Specs text line, though, if sure. you've got anything, and we'll we'll get to that throughout the show. So yeah. Yeah. The Longhorn football talk doesn't stop, even if it's not a uh, scheduled in the notebook. Is somebody saying, what's up with this Xavier Worthy transferring to USC business? Uh, they're, they're, it's just going to be one of those deals – in the the day and age of NIL and the portal, uh, you're it's something you're going to have to just deal with uh, as a fan of whatever school. Um, right now, I I don't think there's anything to get really worked up about at this point. If some, I'll tell you this: I haven't heard anything that anything is for certain to happen or, or anything like that. But if something is going to happen, there's no sense in getting worked up about it right now. Yeah, there's work to be done <laughs> still. So. So anyway, uh, all right. So we'll uh, so we'll get we'll get to that. Um, all right, uh, and uh, yes, yeah, Specs text line open at three three seven three seven seven six. Up next, we'll visit with the head coach of the Westlake Chaparrales, Tony Salazar. When we continue, we light the tower on the horn one zero four nine one zero one nine AM twelve sixty. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and hornfm.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Tower.com. Light the Tower with Craig Way, Jeff Howe, and Snoop Daniel. You lips and rolled and curled your tinted hair. Ruby, are you contemplating going out somewhere? This is Light the Tower on the Horn. Craig Way, Jeff Howe. Before we get to our uh, special guest here, you had one other... Uh, nugget that you wanted to uh, add with regard to Longhorn football. Yeah, this is like uh, you know eating eating fries and you feel good, but then you kind of find one at the bag. It's like a, at the bottom yeah. of the bag. It's like a nice little surprise. Deshaun Jameson missed the TCU game with the yeah. concussion. He's trending in the right direction to being able to play on Saturday against Kansas. That said, Craig, Terrence Brooks had a hell of a game in, yeah. his, in his starting I debut. I thought he did really well, given, yeah. given a situation like that. So uh, that's that's good to know. Okay. All right. And, and by the way, somebody uh, it was Elio who uh, said if Sark is going to throw the ball thirty nine times, he needs to take Carrick off the field. More options to pass to, more bunch formations for easy releases and shorter routes to complete to let the players play in space. So there's a method to the madness with Carrick. I, I hate Max protection because I don't like keeping able bodied receivers in, in the block. Uh, like if Bijan or Jatavian Sanders is in as a blocker in a max protect situation, you're just shooting your foot off. What the Carrick package allows you to do, it'll, it allows you to have a max protect look with the 6-0 lineman package, but Carrick isn't going to threaten anybody in the pass game. If you notice when Carrick comes in, that's when they take a lot of their shots because you can max protect with him in the game. So just a little method to the madness. They don't run it all that much, but that's... Yeah. That's one of the reasons why they do it. Yeah. All right. Uh, so there it is. Uh, it is time to go to the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline. It is our weekly conversation brought to you by Texas Truck and tra- Trailer with the head coach of the Westlake Chaparrales, and that is Tony Salazar joins us now. Coach, I know you're uh, wrapped up and busy and getting ready for this uh, area round playoff. Hey, let me start off by getting your thoughts on something. Jeff was just pointing out how Terrence Brooks, the freshman, had to go in and play uh, on the corner for the injured Deshaun Jamison. It's always a nice little bonus for a coach, even if you think – a guy's going to step in and play well, to see it happen in reality, is it's got to make a head coach feel good when you put a guy in there who hadn't had a lot of experience go out and play well. Yeah, and especially being, uh, you know, young. <laughs> and having, having more years left. And when you see a young player, a freshman, a sophomore, you know, obviously impact your football team that way, uh, it's pretty exciting because, like I said, you have that guy for, for a handful of years still. So uh, I'm sure those guys are excited to see the young players, you know, change that opportunity. So, what a cool deal for him. Yeah, no doubt. Just a freshman, the kid from Little Elm. And and you've had uh, guys, and of course the system working the way it does for you in the Westlake system, uh, You when you have a sophomore step up and play, uh, it's it's. I know it's a bonus, but by the same token, you and your staff are not going to put a kid in a situation where you think he's going to uh, really embarrass himself or the team or anything like that. If you put a sophomore out there, I have a feeling you're, you're pretty confident he's going to be able to deliver for you. Right, you know, we got him to that point. You know, whether he, you know, makes the plays, kind of like Mr. Brooks did this weekend as a freshman for Texas or not, you know, at that point in time, we're putting him in the game because we trust him. He had the preparation going into it. And so, obviously, at that point in time, you know, it's it's time to go make a play. And uh, so, we had the opportunity last week to do that for, for a handful of kids on our team. And it was good to see those guys get out there and shake things up and make some tackles and, and make some runs and then obviously throw the football a little bit. So, it's always fun to see those guys that uh, – practice just as much in the same hours as the guys that are starters get out there and get to play sorry coach coach got you a nice by district win last week over cedar ridge when you went back and watched it what'd you like 
Well, I think the, the, the main thing that, steps out, that stands out is our special teams. I mean, uh, you know, defense, we kind of allowed a opening drive touchdown, the touchdown run by Cedar Ridge, start the game, and they were ahead for one play, and we went 92 yards in the next ensuing kickoff return. Um, so, obviously, that was big, big time to go 92 yards, answer their touchdown with a with touchdown of our, our own. So, that was big time. And then uh, maybe about two drives later, we had a punt return for a touchdown. So, I mean, we got, uh, you know, 14 of our first probably 21 points in the game were from the return game. So, I think that's uh, always positive. I think our average field position for the game was we started our drives in the plus 47, and theirs was the minus 22. You know, that's winning football in our place. Uh, I've heard you talk about, and I've asked you quite a bit, uh, about the goal board I used to ask Coach Dodge about as well. Was that an unchecked box on the goal board as a touchdown on the first drive? I can't remember if that's part of the goal board. And even if it was, and even uh, with that happening, that's something to work on for this week, right? Right, no doubt. No, we got the goal board. We talking to the offense for the most part. But, uh, yeah, the offense had two drives, one to start the game and then one in the second half. And, I think one ended in a touchdown, one ended in a field goal. So 10 points out of those two drives, you know, those are very, very important drives for us as we start the game and obviously as we start the second half. So we put an emphasis on those two drives. And, and to, to get 10 points out of two drives, that's, we'll take that every week. This is Light the Tower on the Horn. Craig Way and Jeff Howell joined by head coach Tony Salazar of the Westlake Chaparrales. And Snoop Danny with a question for the coach. Coach Salazar, I know you're going to have a lot of players who aren't named Great House in Quebec and, or Kaiser making big plays. And I'm talking about guys like Brett Mays, et cetera. Can you kind of talk about some of those uh, low-key players that are going to make big plays for you coming up? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, I think a group that has to be, you know, obviously uh, recognized and pat on the back and, and you know, all the same, keep coming along, keep getting better as our offensive line. Uh, obviously, you know, cats out of the bag. We've lost a handful of uh, really, really good uh, offensive linemen to some season-ending injuries. And, uh, you know, the next guy up, just like the other positions. Everybody knows who the next receiver is. Everybody knows who the next DB is that steps in. Those guys fit in pretty well and kind of just, uh, you know, fall into the mix. But when you're an offensive lineman, there's no hiding. And uh, the whole game kind of, uh, we can tell in the game, the flow of the game. Can we run the ball? Can we protect? And uh, we've had several guys, uh, a sophomore playing left guard for us right now, Jared Reisinger. Uh, I mean, he's got uh, he's got a big backside. Autumn Dude takes up a lot of room. Uh, he's he's stronger than he knows. Uh, I think he's got a high ceiling, and he's getting better every single week. He's had about four starts now. Uh, we got T.J. Christen back from a hand of wrist surgery, uh, and so obviously we're kind of bolstering our offensive lines. We get as we go on through. Um, so as we go through our offensive line, I think those guys have kind of overcome some injuries this year. And uh, now I think they're starting to see those guys gel and make their own kind of chemistry between the five of them. So uh, I want to obviously pat those guys on the back and tell those guys doing a great job. Coach, I want to go back to your special teams real quick and, and talk about uh, Blake Dunham. And I know we've, we've talked about Blake here on the show before, but just, uh, you know, sometimes on the staff you might just have a coach, hey, you go coach the special teams. But to have a special teams coach that was a deep snapper in college, really understands that third phase, is passionate about it, uh, how fortunate are you to have a guy like Coach Dunham overseeing your special teams? Yeah, I mean, he's doing an outstanding job. You know, he's done it uh... – before he was our place, he was up at Argyle, and he won a state championship doing the same job there. And so the guy's a winner. Um, he gets results. Obviously, to be special teams wired, kind of like you know most special teams guys, uh, you got to be passionate about it, and he is. I mean, uh, uh, i got to give him hell all the time, but, I mean, we've got every week we've got about five different punt formations, about three punt fakes. We've got about four different punt blocks, about four different returns on the punt return game. 
a different mix-up of kickoffs every single time we kick off, and it's it's fun, exciting for our kids, um, and obviously it's it's heck to prepare for as the opponents. Uh, but all the same, you know, we treat it just the same as a regular position group. I mean, he gets time. He gets time dedicated to special teams to have a meeting and to go over a – to develop a game plan and obviously install that with our players that shows them and proves to them, hey, we're going to attack this phase of the game. We're not going to sit back and just, you know, concede that we're going to take the football, you know, or punt it back to the next team. Uh, we're going to have uh, – you know, we're going to go into this fight uh, with, with our guns loaded and we're going to have options and – uh, we're going to play to win the game, and that's really a model around Westlake. We, we play to win the game. We don't play to not get beat. And I think uh, I think that kind of fits right into Coach Dunham and his special teams philosophy. He's playing to make plays on special teams. And uh, our kids feed off that. He does an outstanding job. We're so happy to have him. And obviously, uh, we look forward to that phase. Obviously, continue to dominate as we go through the playoffs. Tony, here's something else you can give him hell for. His dad is the godfather to my oldest child. Do you ever give him uh, uh, my son? <laughs> so, so you ever give him grief about his dad being a, a sports radio icon in Dallas-Fort Worth? Yeah, you know, I think he's a little under the radar here in Austin. Blake's just kind of snuck in the back door. Nobody really knew about him. And, and obviously, I uh, think the cat's out of the bag. And that's because of the body of work he's throwing out there on Friday nights. And, uh, Obviously, our kids respect him. Our coaching staff respects him. We're all intrigued about the game plan every week, the special teams. And Blake's just, uh, you know, he's uh, doing a hell of a job for us, and we couldn't be more excited about having him, you know, lead our special teams. Gosh, I remember when that dude was two years old back in the day. Anyway, to make me feel a little bit older. Uh, let's uh, let, let, let's talk about uh, the matchup with New Braunfels, and I want to give you an opportunity first, Tony, uh, because I'm sure the whole Westlake program is is sending along its best wishes for, for the young man quarterback for New Braunfels who uh, sustained the injury, that that, that uh, scary situation the other night, and we're all hoping for the best, of him, best for him and, and full recovery. Right. There's no doubt, obviously. I mean, it's just kind of one of those curveballs that nobody, you know, saw coming. And it's uh, obviously got prayers and prayers are out to him and his family and obviously his recovery and his team um, and, and their recovery from just a, a bizarre event. And uh, But obviously uh, damage is done on their part. But what I saw, and this is what I told our, our community the other day, I said, what I saw a team that 24 hours before they played last Friday night um, everything was great. They had a heck of a quarterback playing for them. They had they were playing well, going into the playoffs, and all of a sudden that changed. Twenty four hours before they had to play, and now there's a, a backup quarterback being thrust into the role. And I didn't see a team that was all right flustered by that one bit. I saw the opposite. I saw a football team that's coached by Coach Mangle down there in New Braunfels. They kind of put their arms around each other and came tighter and, and really tried to fight their tails off uh, for their teammate and for their quarterback. And um, they played a physical brand of football last uh, last Friday night. It was cold. It was windy. It was rainy. Um, and, and those guys just laid on the line for their teammate. And so they have our full attention. And we were there to kind of obviously witness that part of it. Um, they played a clean and physical football game. And, and that's what I'm expecting we're going to get uh, this Friday night at San Marcos. And we just honestly hope that um, the young man heals up. And we know that New Braunfels is going to be ready and willing to, to take on the Shaps. Uh, we're talking about Leighton Adams, the uh, quarterback there for New Braunfels, and and um, after uh, the shock he received from the uh, utility pole, and hopefully he'll he'll be better, uh, uh, you know, and, and continue toward recovery. Coach, uh, I'm always fascinated to, when you get to play out the playoffs and, and trying to decide where to play, when to play, what day, because I've heard just some some wild stories over the years about how coin flips can go awry and, and what gets agreed upon. 
Uh, how easy was it to get uh, get everything set up logistically to to get ready to go Friday night down in San Marcos? You know, there's by default there's not many options. Just to tell you the right. truth, you know, between Austin and San and San Antonio, there's not much. It's kind of a neutral, you know, fair shake for most parties to kind of meet in the middle. You're talking about San Marcos, you know, obviously you're talking about New Braunfels Canyon, both right there, kind of off 35, but. Other than that, you know, uh, we really don't want New Braunfels to go right down the road to New Braunfels Canyon. So, uh, so luckily, we were kind of on top of it early enough. Our athletic director, Coach Callan Oaks, does an outstanding job. And, and Beth Thord, our administrative assistant, uh, just kind of making sure that some of those things are lined out. And we got our ducks in a row. We make our phone calls and try to obviously forecast out, you know, what our next move is going to be. And so that we're not, uh, uh, you know, worried about all that stuff when it has nothing to really do with the outcome of the game. I mean, it kind of does because I've just got to have a place to play. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's about what's happening on the field. And, um, you know, some coaches, I guess, can drive themselves crazy, worried about all those, those you know, um, all the the information that needs to go to the public, you know, and trying to find a place to play and the time. And uh, luckily at this point, everybody I've worked with so far has been great and pretty easy and forward and really trying to find the best venue for kids. You know, what's the, what's the most fair deal between New Braunfels and and obviously Austin and, and San Marcos fit that mold. And we played there actually, it's, it'll be a year ago. All right. This week that we played them second round of the playoffs. It's a, it's a rematch uh, from area round last year at the same place. So I think we're flipping sidelines this week. I think we're the home team and they're the visitors. And last year they were the home team and we were the visitors. So um, same familiar place. <laughs> yeah. And, and I would imagine you're at, at this point, uh, working ahead, you mentioned uh, Callan Oaks and the rest of the athletic department working ahead. Uh, you know whether uh, you know if you advance, then it's either Taft or San Benito. And, and by the way, for folks who don't know this, it's not necessarily a guarantee anymore that you're going to have Valley Week because of the realignment. Because there's San Antonio-based schools still playing uh, that would be playing Valley schools, so you may wind up playing uh, a San Antonio school next week, uh, San Antonio-based school uh, next week as well. But no matter who it is, I would imagine Tony, with your consultation with the athletic staff, you're, you're not only working ahead on terms of the possibility of where you might play, but when, because doesn't it get to a point now you played Thursday last week, Friday this week, to at some point it gets flipped and you start playing Saturdays to get into that Saturday routine? Yeah, you know, I think typically we like to, at least around here, is kind of, we like to kind of go the first three rounds on Fridays and keep it as normal as possible. Obviously, the Thursdays for us were for various reasons we've had. For number one, for weather, uh, the first week, and then that kind of just kept us on our weekly schedule. Uh, and then we we kind of lucked out that we beat the weather the second week as well. And so, um, but as we go into this thing, yeah, we've already made plans. You know, we I think we'll try to stay on Friday schedule uh, next week if we can. If we're fortunate enough to be practicing football next week, um, and then as we progress on to the regional finals, semifinals, those are all Saturday games as we go out to throughout the end of the season. So. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those things Yeah, you want to be fair, you know, you want to be fair for all parties involved. And sometimes geographically, it just doesn't work. You know, for us, it's kind of the case. It's, we're kind of this odd man coming from Austin, all of San Antonio and South. And, um, you know, it's hard to get somebody from San Antonio to come to Austin, you know? So, you know, maybe we'll get them sometime. We'll get, uh, so we can get that big stadium down the road right there off 35, get that stadium rented out, uh, some, so people in Austin can see some high school football. There you go. All right. Hey, uh, it is uh, 7.30 on Friday night as Westlake takes on New Braunfels at Rattler Stadium in San Marcos. Tony, as always, appreciate the time. Uh, grateful to have you join us, and we'll look forward to visiting with you again next week. 
Thank you so much. Thank you so much, guys. Y'all have a great afternoon. Let's hope we can see 35 packs. There you Red, go. White and blue going, going south, all right? Sam Marcus, guys, y'all get there. Come support these boys. 11-0, having a hell of a season. There you go. Thank you, Tony. Thanks, Coach. All right. That's uh, Tony Salazar, head coach of the Westlake Chaparral. So, um, yeah, maybe – and at some point, especially if you're a program like a Westlake or – a North Shore or a Katy or a South Lake Carroll, there gets there. There comes a point, Lake Travis. There comes a point where you shift your thinking and your thought process of when do we go from Friday to Saturday? Of course, they played a Thursday by district game, and then they have an area round game uh, this week on a Friday. And he said, you know, they'd like to go through the first half of the postseason in their thinking process of playing three consecutive Fridays. And of course, next Friday would be Black Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, going into uh, Thanksgiving weekend. And what we do see a lot of uh, on Black Friday are Black Friday day games. Yep. Yeah. And and in fact, there's a couple of day games this week, this Friday, across the There's like a doubleheader in Wichita Falls and another one further out west. I mean, there's some of that, and some of that has to do with, and Tony made reference to this, and Carter made reference to this yesterday, stadium availability. Right. Because you could be, you could come up with a halfway point, but for whatever reason, that school district might not want that stadium used or has other plans or whatever. Yeah, or somebody beats you to it and gets it yeah. booked or something. Uh, somebody on the text line did did ask the question, and yes, there is a possibility Westlake and Lake Travis could meet. It would be in the uh, in the quarters. Yeah, if both two weeks. continue to win. Yeah. yeah, they would they would both that both have to win uh, two more games uh, just to to let you know. Uh, Lake Travis. Would I be... like to say regional final, Craig, because it just confuses Snoop with the brackets. We had that conversation while you were out. Yeah, I heard a little bit of that conversation. Snoop, you do realize that in football there is no regional quarterfinal. I heard ah, you say that. Gotcha, gotcha. Remember in basketball and baseball they play a 90-16 bracket. So there is a third round called that, the regional quarterfinal. I think that's where. Yeah, okay. they don't do that. It goes by district area. What's known as the regional round is regional semifinals. Mm-hmm. People just usually refer to it as the regional. Mm-hmm. Then the regional final, I like to just go ahead and call it state quarterfinal because it eliminates any confusion from regional to regional final. Yeah, and, and let's be honest, if you uh, if that's as far as you advance, it, it looks better to say a, I was a state quarterfinal board outside the school to say state quarterfinals instead yeah. of regional finals. So the, the, what I usually do is I'll say by district area regional quarterfinal semifinal championship. It's it, I just it it works better for me. I have to say those rounds a lot, whether it be TV show or games or whatever things like that. So, uh, it, and so back to the question: uh, Lake Travis would have to beat Steele this week, and then, whew, then in the third round play the winner of Brennan from the north side of San Antonio, which I think is the best team in the San Antonio area. They're playing Los Fresnos. And um, and that's game that they Los Fresnos. I don't blame them for this. The kids from the valley they flipped a coin. So might as well they won the flip. Mm-hmm. So Brennan has to go down to the valley to play. Might as well if you're Los Fresnos because they're going to be a, a huge underdog in that one. They'd have to win that game as well to get to a quarterfinal matchup with Westlake. Westlake would have to beat New Braunfels this week, and then here's another one of those San Antonio versus Valley matchups. Taft and San Benito, they're going midway. They're meeting at Buck Stadium in Corpus Christi uh, this this week. So you could have two Austin against two San Antonio teams. Uh, there. And the, the, the strength of the Valley this year is in 5A. 
Yeah, five A division we'll talk one. Tap about that last week. Yeah, yep. that's that. That's where the strength is. It's not in six A. So what we have comfortably taken to calling Valley Week in six A may not happen at all. May not be a Valley Week this year. It could. Right. It, in fact, I'd say the odds are very much against it being a Valley Week. I think it'll be um, Austin against San Antonio on both sides uh, of that. So we'll um, we'll we'll see how that. It could. You know, if if uh, it could Gosh. be San Antonio against San Antonio if Lake Travis falls to Steel, it could be Steel against Brennan in the Sweet Sixteen. Valley Week. I can recall a time when Lake Travis they. They hosted Los Fresnos, and mm-hmm. they bought them food and everything. It yeah. was a, a really lopsided win. But yeah. They also had to go down to the Valley and mm-hmm. play before. Yes. I remember Mark Honig and yeah. Bucky Godbold, or at least Bucky, <laughs> staying at South Padre Island. I remember doing that one time. <laughs> I think they were playing one of the Harlingen schools or something. So <laughs> happens. It, it happens. So I, I'd say the odds are very much against uh, a Valley week next week. I think it'll be Austin area schools against San Antonio area schools. That's if Lake Travis wins, yeah. otherwise you're going to have two San Antonio schools probably, and then uh, perhaps uh, Austin, uh, you'd have Westlake against the San Antonio school. That's probably what you're going to have uh, next week. We'll find out. Hey, Greg, real quick, because I know we're up against it. This has got to be the furthest Taft has been in the playoffs since... Since they won it? In one Well, they didn't win it. They finished runner-up to Mesquite. It, that's right. Yeah. They had a 13 to nothing lead. I did that game in the pouring rain at the Rock Mile, Marco, and they lost Marco Martin playing for Mesquite that's right. back in the day. 14-13 in the pouring rain at Alamo Stadium uh, there. Yeah, it, it might, I'd have to go back and take a look at it and see. I, I know they haven't. I don't, I'm, I'm almost 100% sure they've not advanced beyond the third round since then. Robert Merrill was the big-time yeah, running back for absolutely. Taft. Absolutely. Went to TCU, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, Merrill. All right. Uh, what was that, Snoop? No, I remember him. It's yeah. Crazy. Hey, okay. Snoop, you wearing the same, the same shoes today? The mismatched shoes? Yeah. Mismatch shoes. Now yeah. it's by design. Now, okay. yeah. Yesterday now, it was by accident. <laughs> yeah, and then I was like, "Oh, I did that." And they actually, this, they're different shoes. Uh, well, you know, the other shoe is on the other foot. I got you. Okay, when the shoe is on the other foot. I don't see Snoop's feet when he's in the booth, so I didn't see. It I saw it earlier done, over in there. Done yesterday. Yeah. Uh, all right, <laughs> coming up, Lev. Speaking of. Uh, Mismatch shoes. We have inconceivable up next. It's not that inconceivable for Snoop, though. It, re- it really isn't. It's really kind of within his character as he sports the 76ers hat and the and the denim jacket there with mm-hmm. the with the line collar. What's the shirt today? I got it from Forever 21. Okay. Because so. you are Forever 21, Snoop is. I was going to say that was his Yellowstone look till he told me he got it from Forever, Forever 21. 21. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we have Inconceivable next with Light the Tower. On the horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live. Inconceivable time here. Um, I, I probably should start off with, bless you there, Jeff. You're okay. oh, that one hurt, man. Yeah, it Ooh. sounded painful. And your mic wasn't even on, and it sounded painful. Yeah, that one where like your rib cage pops a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, and from the depths. Dang. Okay. Uh, I just want to hear my gullet snoop. Yeah. Um, I wanted to update uh, people on this. Uh, in the wake of the shooting that killed the three Virginia football players mm-hmm. on Sunday, the University of Virginia has not decided whether it will continue the season, but they have made a decision that they will not play the game against Coastal Carolina this week. It was going to be a non-conference game. Mm-hmm. And they have canceled that game, and they're not going to play that game. Linebacker Deshaun Perry, wide receivers Devin Chandler 
and Lavelle Davis Jr. shot and killed on a charter bus after getting back to campus from a class field trip to Washington, D.C. Running back Mike Hollins was shot and remains in critical condition after undergoing a second surgery yesterday morning. Elliott had spent the day at the hospital. Uh, that's uh, their their head coach, uh, Tony Elliott. And uh, he had spent the day at the hospital but did not provide an update on his status. Uh, however, a local television reported Hollins had been upgraded to stable condition and family members said he was doing great following surgery. So there's good on that. Cavaliers did not practice Monday or yesterday. And um, so we'll, we'll see. They're not going to play Coastal Carolina. They do play Virginia Tech, or they're scheduled to play Virginia Tech. That's that big rivalry game. So we'll see if that, that game happens. But uh, just a tragic situation in Virginia. And they will not play uh, that game. Okay. Um, update on a couple of things. I mentioned yesterday about NASA and the Artemis One rocket to the moon. They launched this morning, 1.47 a.m. with no astronauts on board. Test flight scheduled to last 25 days. So uh, that's that's to take it all the way around the moon and then back. Uh, it's it re- originally been sc- uh, scheduled for the weekend, but because of some conditions lingering and damage stuff with Hurricane Nicole. They pushed it back to this morning, and it'll kick off a series of Artemis missions with the goal of setting up a permanent base on the moon that's kind of like your truck stop on the way to Mars. Just think of Bucky's on the moon, okay? Wow. Sweet. So you'd go in there, get you some beaver nuggets, and then hop in for that turbo blast on to the red planet. You can... Enlighten me on this, Craig, because I'm not. You love space, and it's just out of sight, out of mind for me. It is the final frontier. With the uh, with the moon landings, was it just proven? And I think I remember this from school that basically the moon was pretty much useless. Yeah, it's it's just a rock, yeah. you know. A lot of, but it was the first extraplanetary body explored. Right, right. And they explored worlds. it and decided it was pretty much. Eh. It's, it's a it's just it's, a big rock. I'm telling you, it's a, before they built Bucky's there at Temple on I-35. What was that? There was nothing there. It was where Loop 363, you know, Peter's out right there at yeah. I-35. There's nothing there. Mm-hmm. So it was just a field. There was nothing there. But they put a Bucky's there, and now it's teeming. So there may be nothing but a bunch of rocks and dust and dirt on. 